This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, let's go. It is the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and, of course, the Seattle Sports app, plus all the podcast platforms, wherever you find us. Thank you for being there. We appreciate it. Glad to be a part of your morning or afternoon or evening or whatever time we happen to find you. Man, what an unbelievable difference one week can make for your Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll going to come in here at 930. And, you know, I don't think Pete was in a very good mood last week. I don't think it had anything to do with me or Brock or, or any of us, but I don't I don't get the sense he was in a real great mood coming off the way his team not only played, but especially finished against the L.A. Rams. This week, I would certainly expect Pete to be in a much better root mood. Not that his team was perfect. Not that his team was Super Bowl caliber. And certainly that game could have gone in a number of different directions Dependent on injury, dependent on special teams, kicking, etc. Heck, maybe even just depending on a coin flip at the end of a game, which is still the stupidest rule. So dumb. So, so stupid. But man, did they play much better football. And man, I guess after a week, Pete Carroll can coach again, which is nice to see. I'm glad to see he remembered how to do it over the course of last week. Who would have guessed it would happen? Look, I don't know where the season's going to go from here. I don't know if this defense is going to fully get it together. I thought they were certainly better, and especially on those impact third and fourth downs. But if they do get it together, and they do make the playoffs again, I think yesterday is going to have a couple of moments that will have been very, very important to that turn. Right? Fourth down stops. Forced fumble from Nuoso when it looked like maybe that game was going to get away from them and go the wrong way. Instead, he comes up with a giant turnover. Obviously, what Trey Brown did with the pick six. Put all those things together, and you know, and then eventually you get some of the offensive big plays down the stretch and an unbelievable game from Lockett and Geno, who played incredibly well, I thought, yesterday. You, know, you put all those things together, and it felt like, and I'll use Pete's word from a couple of years ago, a bit of a turn. Right, It didn't have the same vibe as certainly week one, but in some ways I don't even know if it had the same vibe as last year. When they got themselves going, they looked like a pretty darn good football team and doing the things that you expect a good football team to do, specifically getting off the field when you needed to do it. That's the key for your defense. You can give up yards, right? But you can't do is allow the other team to, to stay on the field longer than they should. And so six of 11 on third down, one of three on fourth down, that's big time. That's how you get the ball back for your team when you need it. So what a fun game for the Seahawks. Great to see them get back to playing the kind of football that they at least played last year and maybe more than that. You feel better today? Significantly better today. Jeez, I would hope so. Way, way better today. So I did ask the people what they thought, and we're going to hear from you guys again. You know, last week it was so fun hearing uh, your phone calls at 6.30. We're going to try it again. Kind of curious how the phone calls will sound after a win 
versus some of the frustration that we got yesterday or last week after the loss. Kind of curious how that goes. But I just, you know, the most unscientific method available, quick little poll yesterday, which was closer to the real Seahawks? What you saw in week one or what you saw in week two? I will admit to being somewhat surprised by the results. I I was expecting this to be a fairly close poll. Instead, it's almost 90-10 to the positive. Oh, wow. Isn't that surprising? I, 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 I mean, it? I know we're all prisoner of the moment. Right. And we're I, easily swayed by how you know loud some of the negative voices can be. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I think, Salk, you've, you've lately tended to buy into the vocal minority. A you think so? Yeah. I think... I think people knew that game one was horrendous, but that that's not what Pete Carroll teams are going to look like for the whole season. I hope you're right, Maura. I really do. I don't I don't know that I I don't know whether you are or not. I hope you're right. I hope that I've been swayed by the negative. I hope that maybe there's just, you know, a loud minority that has captured my attention and that it's not the majority of folks out there. But man, what a what a huge difference of, of a week, right? All of a sudden, you do look like the winners in week two as opposed to the losers that you showed up and looked like in week one. And, you know, a few other things probably play into that. First of all, we know week one's deceiving. We've heard this for years. It doesn't make it any easier not to overreact when we see it. But we know that there's a, a deceptive quality to whatever you see in week one around the league. Two... Maybe the Rams are a little better than everybody thought. Did you get a chance to watch any of the Rams and Niners yesterday? It ended up being a Niners win, but it was a whole lot more competitive than it was supposed to be. Rams look pretty good. And some of those same players that you were shaking your head at going, how is this guy beating us this week or last week? All of a sudden, yeah, Puka Nakua has another 10-reception, 100-yard game. I think we know their names better than uh, Matt Stafford knows their names now. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> all the, that's a good point. All of a sudden, all of those things look a little different after the Rams absolutely showed up and played a really strong game against San Francisco. Again, well, that didn't makes win. you feel a little better about last week's loss, but overall not good news in the division. Right. Yes, that's a good point. Arizona even looked pretty good, right? Although they blew a 20-point lead, so, you know, how good could they really looked? But in the first half of that game, they showed that there's some teeth, certainly, to that team. And, yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. You, it's it's sort of a positive and negative. But in terms of just how does your – because I'm just worried about you, right? How does your team look? Better. Better for who they yeah. lost to, although it was still an absolutely horrendous loss. And absolutely better just based on how they went out and played football. Pete knew it. You knew it. Gino knew it. You got you got guys on this team. I could come up with 10 different heroes for this game. I think a bunch of them are fairly obvious, right? Tyler Lockett, Gino Smith, Trey Brown. I mean, those guys are obvious heroes for this game. I thought DK Metcalf had one of his best games as a Seahawk. Kudos to DK. Quietly. Somewhat quietly, but he had a really good game. Huge catch on the final drive of the game in overtime, right, on a deep play. I thought DK had a really magnificent game, especially considering he went out for a while, might have cracked a rib or something, and was able to come back in the game and do that. Super impressive. Yeah. I thought the tight ends as a group had one of the best games that we've seen in a while. All three of them contributed in their own way. They were so needed with those tackles out. Right? 
absolutely will, true. Wildersley and- looks like a man among boys sometimes out there, too. Yeah. It is true. And they found lots of good ways to or different, unique ways to use them. I know that they don't ever get credit for having like, you know, a Kelsey like tight end presence, but add up the catches from their tight end group yesterday. Four from Fant, two from Parkinson, three from Disley. Right? All of a sudden that's nine catches. Add up the yards, you're at like a hundred and thirty. That's pretty good productivity from a tight end group that honestly are pretty good blockers, probably first and foremost. So again, like I just I, I, I want to throw some credit around. How about you know who else had a good game? I thought Nuoso had a good game. I thought Jaron Reed had a pretty good game up front. I thought um I thought Have you Bobby, mentioned Witherspoon yet? I thought Bobby had a really good game, and I was just about to get to the fact that Devin Witherspoon got thrown into the fire. It wasn't like, yeah, we'll th- throw him out there for a couple of plays, especially after they lost Tariq Woolen. Now all of a sudden, Trey Brown is in there a lot. Now all of a sudden, Devin Witherspoon is playing a ton, both on the edge, on the outside, and on the inside. He was all over the place for them. You know who was not? Mike Jack. Yeah. Essentially removed, right? It was all Trey Brown. It was all Devin Witherspoon. Kobe Bryant was in there a lot. Mike Jackson kind of drifted to the back of the pack. So I don't know exactly what that means for his future, but certainly worth noting. Anyway, we're getting what, multiple what, uh, texts that want us to acknowledge the backup tackles. How great of a job for us. Oh, I think Kerhan did too. Absolutely. Best, yes. The best for last. Yes, absolutely. And and go through and, and watch how they protected. They were tremendous. So there are a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of credit to go around. And just as last week, some of that blame went to Pete Carroll. I sure hope that a lot of that credit goes to Pete this week as well, because he did a heck of his job getting his team ready in a hostile environment where, where the opponent's fans had blue ski masks. Can you imagine going into an environment, the blue ski masks? So difficult. Somehow the Seahawks <laughs> managed to get it done. They win. They're back on track. And everything feels a whole lot better today than it did a week ago. Everything except for the team that got swept over the weekend. We'll deal with them and need to know next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I'm glad the Seahawks won that game yesterday, but before you even get to it, what a good football game that was. Seriously, what what a just entertaining, fun watch I absolutely enjoyed the heck out of that football game yesterday. And if the first game of the season was absolutely not that, the second game was. It was well played. It was entertaining. It was back and forth. And there are a ton of folks that deserve a mound of credit. Let's start off with this guy, cut one. Trey Brown coming up with what might have been the biggest play of the game. Second down and 15 now at the 35. Goff wants to throw. Steps up, throws. Behind, it's intercepted. Seahawks have it the other way. Trey Brown, he's going to go. 10-5, touchdown, Seahawks. Goff looks outside one too many times. Dave stared down his receiver, and Trey Brown was there for the pick six, and the Seahawks stretched their lead to 30-21. to the Seahawks have been hanging into this one here in the second half. They have exploded. 
Yeah, that was a huge moment in the game. Came right after his sack on the previous play, which is why it was second and 15. Just an awesome moment for Trey Brown, his first pick in the NFL. Devin Witherspoon was thrust into action. He came up huge in this one. Tyler Lockett, which TD was your favorite? The first one with the toe tap or the game winner? Here it is, cut number three. Gino from the shotgun with Walker beside him. Three wide receivers in the game. Gino is looking, looking. Now he throws far side. It's Lockett. Does he reach the ball across? He does. Yeah. It's over, yes. baby. Touchdown, <laughs> Seahawks. Tyler Lockett <laughs> on a little pass out into the right side flat. Reaches the ball across the pylon. He scores. They're going to check to be sure. But all you got to do is get the ball across the top of the pylon. And he touches it, and that is good for a first down. Knee out of bounds. Tyler Lockett, my hero. Game over. (laughs) Seahawks win 37-31. to There's a lot going on in there, but I'm still a little bit of chaos. Wyman. Wyman, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's so definitive. That is uh, as Dave Wyman as it gets. That is just awesome. Gino. What a great game he had, deadly accurate. I thought Nwosu had a fantastic game, got the defense going with a big fumble, so lots of positives coming out of this one. The injuries, maybe the biggest concern. Reek Woolen left the game with a chest problem. We'll talk to Pete about that at 9.30 today. I would say his ability to withstand contact is going to be something for him to prove. DK left and came back, same with Evan Brown. So a lot of injuries to sort of catch up on, but overall, heck of a football game played by the Seahawks and for all of us just great to remember how much fun football can really be to watch here's the second thing you need to know on the other hand what an ugly weekend for the Mariners swept at home by a clearly superior Dodgers team at least this weekend LA is good they're really good they're really solid in every single part of a game it's an excellent roster they play good baseball they're championship tested and they showed their might on both Friday and yesterday the game to win though was Saturday and I thought the Mariners honestly did play well enough to win that game I thought they got like a death from a thousand paper cuts Dodgers bunch of broken bad soft hits kind of lame late but overall pitching looks tired the hitting has come back to earth and they put themselves in a position where all of a sudden they've fallen behind a few of the teams that they are right there with in both the AOS and in the wild card hunt. Scott Service cut seven. He knows that there are two weeks and they better play some good ball. I believe in our club. I, I, I've seen us go so good for so long. It's in there. We've got to play two good weeks of baseball to get into October and then anything can happen from there. And I believe we got it in us. It's two weeks. It's 13 games. We'll be okay. We just got to get it going back in the right direction again, get the momentum rolling uh, with us. Yeah, I guess what I would say is it was an ugly weekend. I'm not going to sugarcoat it in any way. As gross. The reality is the weekend doesn't really matter. Seriously, it wasn't great. Nobody likes it, but it doesn't really matter. What matters is what you do moving forward. You got three winnable games, obviously, with Oakland starts tonight. And then the real deal, 10 to finish up against the Rangers and Astros. What you did this weekend was all about putting yourself in position for that 10-game stretch. What you do then is absolutely what determines your future. Speaking of which, Texas swept as well this weekend. They ran into a problem with the Guardians. Houston loses two to Kansas City. Toronto took care of Boston. Here's the third thing you need to know. All right, are the Huskies for real? 
They've sure done everything imaginable to prove that in their first three games, including a complete dismantling of the Spartans on the road in East Lansing this weekend. I don't know what else Michael Penix can do. He was tremendous. 27 of 35, 473 yards, four touchdowns, including this one. Penix, that one is batted in the air, and it's still a completion. Jalen Polk able to run underneath it and get all the way down for a touchdown. Yeah, just whatever he does turns to gold right now. So they win big. UW remains at number eight. No one ahead of them lost, so they didn't move up. But I don't know that there was a more impressive win ahead of them either. So good for them. They'll start their conference schedule next week with Cal. Meanwhile, the Cougs absolutely destroy Northern Colorado. They move up two spots to 21. And then the game everybody was talking about, Colorado over Colorado State. Most exciting game of the weekend. Colorado actually fell a spot in the rankings, though, because they had to mess around and double overtime against a team that is winless on the year. That is everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Oh, Miguel and Bellevue says the worst thing was Colton Wong being productive. I didn't, didn't love it. Was anybody surprised by that? No. I mean, you shouldn't be. Colton Wong's a good player. Unfortunately, he had a really bad few months. Uh, really, really, really bad. Yeah, it was terrible. Like, For a few months, he was the like the worst player in baseball. Yeah. One of the worst players I've ever seen. But Colton Wong has a pretty good history of hitting, which is, you know, why the Mariners brought him in. And I'm not that surprised that he came up with a couple of big hits against them. By the way, I checked in at Colton Wong and just to find out whether or not he was bitter, angry, upset. And, and the first thing I heard is that when he showed up to L.A., he didn't have a bad thing to say. Just like, yeah, didn't work. What are you going to do? Hmm. Veteran. Had nothing negative to say about the team, nothing negative to say about the environment, nothing negative to say about the way he was used. Just like, yeah, but he didn't play well. What are you going to do? Just didn't hit. So I thought that was interesting to note, and he certainly would have had a right if he was upset to, to kind of voice it, but no. He just like, yeah, sorry, just not... Uh just didn't work out. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's open up the phones. I said I was going to do this again this morning. I'm psyched for it. I love hearing from you guys, uh, so let's get that going. 206, excuse me, eight, eight, what the heck's our phone number? 866-979-3776. 866-979-3776. I'll throw out two questions, but really, whatever Seahawks direction you want to go. Which was the real Seahawks, or at least closer to it, what we saw this week or what we saw the week before it? Or maybe what opinions did you change after watching the game this week? Is there anything you believed after week one that week two made you go, oh, wait a minute, maybe that's not true. I got I to gotta reevaluate how I feel here. You want to talk Pete? You want to talk rookies? You want to talk Witherspoon? You want to talk about the defense? You want to talk about Bobby? You want to talk about Geno? What did you make of Geno's game? When you see Geno look like that and throw for 300 yards with a 70% plus completion rating, that's elite-level stuff, man, especially when you do it late in overtime. That's what the best of the best do. Does that make you think you can win a Super Bowl with Geno? I don't know about this roster, but with Geno Smith? 866-979-3776. Your reaction to the Seahawks win coming up next on Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Wow. I never thought I'd say it. Are we becoming like an East Coast city? What's happening here in Seattle? Excuse me? Do we have more to say after a loss than after a win? Oh. That's not the Seattle I know. That's not the Seattle sports fans I've grown to love. Over the course of the last 14 years, 
That's a group that has always turned away from losses with nothing to say. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear about it. They lost. Just I'll come back next week. Go away. Last week, phone lines jammed everybody with something to say after the Seahawks lost today. Eh, not so much. So if you want to jump aboard here, 866-979-3776. A couple of lines open still. And I'll ask a few questions. Was that the real Seahawks team that we saw? I think it was closer to it. I mean, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? I don't know if they were all the good that we saw this week or all the bad that we saw the week before. But, you know, there was some mixed in, I thought, this week. They didn't play a perfect football game. I mean, what they did with that final four-minute offense was kind of a disaster. Defense did give up a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, those things aren't perfect. Thankfully, you win the toss, and you end up going right down the field, score a touchdown, and never let them on the field, which was awesome. But, I mean, there's a lot left to chance. And if they had, if, if Goff and the, and the Lions had ended up winning that coin toss, you feel good that the Seahawks win the game? I feel okay. 50-50, maybe a toss-up a little bit less. Winning the coin toss is such an advantage. So which was, which was the real Seahawks? Are you now excited? Is this now a playoff team again? Or is there still some residual fear after what we watched in week one? And then just what else changed for you as you watched that game? What opinions of yours changed? It's funny, man. It still took them almost maybe more into the third quarter to generate any kind of pass rush whatsoever. What is going on with that? Why is this team struggling to get to the quarterback so badly, considering they got some dudes on there that have that have done it well in the past? It was like that one blitz with Jordan Brooks getting after the passer just seemed to completely unlock them, and after that, they were fine. But, like, it, it took almost, what, two and a half quarters before they were able to start rushing the passer and get all. our first sack of the year yeah pretty crazy so all right anything you guys want to to jump in there on uh regarding the seahawks and what you think they you saw over the over the weekend 866-979-3776 we'll start with jeremiah who's been hanging on in pullman jeremiah good morning to you sorry so give me a line there oh line two sorry about there that we go. okay good morning it's all good if there aren't that many people calling in i got plenty to say Whoa. So to answer your first question, I think we're somewhere in between, right? So I'm super excited about Geno Smith. I'm super excited about his potential and what he can do. And I think he's a top five quarterback. I don't even know how you can question that at this point. And Whoa. I am so glad that we moved on from Russell Wilson because I saw Geno Smith do things in the pocket the other day that I've never seen Russell Wilson ever. And it was absolutely fantastic to finally have a quarterback who can manage the pocket the way he does and the ball on time where it needs to be. And then the one time he didn't, the one time he made a bad mistake, he kind of looked like Russell Wilson for a second, came right back in overtime and took the game. That's what a quarterback does. He's top five, not even a question anymore, especially after watching a bunch of other quarterbacks this past month. Then, well, I, I appreciate the call, Jeremiah. I, I get out of the garage, man. It's very, very <laughs> it's a garage or bathroom. Yeah, I don't know if, that is. Sounds like you're an airplane hanger out there in in, in uh, Pullman. But appreciate the phone call. Let me uh, let let's jump into that. Okay, so top five quarterback. That one's going to be pretty hard to convince me. Did he play a great game in a top five kind of game? Yeah, I thought he did. And specifically, what you said is pocket presence. I think you're right. It's pretty tremendous. Gino does a few things incredibly well, right? He's very accurate. For the most part, he makes good decisions with the football. 
He does have a pretty good pocket awareness. I thought he showed that in this game. And he does have an ability to drive the ball down the field when you need him to. And he did that. I think that was what was so interesting about the final drive in overtime is that he pushed the ball down the field. It wasn't dink and dunk, right? It was. It had completions of, you know, 10, 15, 17, 20 yards. Like, he was pushing the ball down the field. That's where they gave it to him, and that's what he took. Good on him. And he hit a bunch of different receivers. I think it was five or six different receivers on that drive. You're, it's a great point, too. The one horrible play Gino had in that game was right at the two-minute warning, right? Where they yeah, decide the to throw the ball in the in the in trying to kill the clock and a long third down and he runs around for a while and then gets tackled for a seventeen yard loss. It's like the one thing you couldn't do, especially because at that point all you had to do was throw the ball away and you're golden because it's the it's the two minute warning anyway. The clock's going to stop. Terrible play cost them seventeen yards. May have cost them specifically even having to go to overtime. Maybe they don't even go to overtime with a seventeen yard difference. It did look like Russell Wilson. You know, I hadn't even thought of that, Jeremiah. It's a great point. It did look like Russell Wilson over the last few years. That's what Russ used to do. Sometimes it would work out, but in the last couple of years, increasingly, it wasn't working out. Remember, he got all upset at Pete and was like, well, you know, it's worked out more than it hasn't. It's like, yeah, well, it has, but that doesn't mean that when it doesn't work out, you're totally, like, uh, get to avoid absolved. criticism. Right, right. Ah, I'm absolved. It sometimes works. Yeah, like, well, I've done well, it before and it worked. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't work this time, pal. So, yeah, really good point, and he did bounce back, and uh, absolutely just what you needed in overtime. 866-979-3776. Let me go to line three. Riley is in Boise. Good morning, Riley. Hey, Salk, how are you? Awesome. Uh, just wanted to hop on. I, I was feeling guilty because of the empty lines. Uh, <laughs> I loved this Sunday Lions. I was watching with a Lions fan, and so and we were, you know, going back and forth. Great game. Uh, main thing was, you know, was just really happy to see what Gino was doing and, and the offense. But Devin Witherspoon, I, I kind of agree with you, where it was just like I, you know, started seeing him so much out there, and I was like, okay, like this is this is how it's going to be. I, I appreciated too a little bit of the over the middle kind of, you know, we've been struggling with that, um, and so I, I kind of feel like, you know. It's like okay, is is Devin Witherspoon legit? Is this is this better than Jalen Carter? Like we were talking a little bit about last week, I know. So I I just was really feeling like yeah, Witherspoon. I I think he's the real deal, and I really hope that he can help us a little bit with some of those you know crossing routes and yeah. Yeah, hey, appreciate the phone call, Riley. It, it's a good one. Thanks for your – I'm glad the guilt trip worked on you. I appreciate that. I learned that from my mom. Uh, let's 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 dig into Witherspoon a little bit. You raised a point in there that, that did dawn on me as we were watching. It's been a while last week, right, talking about the importance of positional roster building. Do you build your roster, especially defensively, from the front back or from the back forward? And I just I do firmly believe that there is more value in the guys who play up front than the guys who play on the you know in the back end in the secondary. That being said, did you notice the first big fourth down stop that Witherspoon made? 
the one that was kind of across the middle, and I think he either knocked it down. Got his arm in there. Yeah, Yeah, he got his arm in there. No pressure on that play at all. Right? Generally, you don't see it. Generally, when there's no pressure, doesn't matter how good your defensive back is, they're not going to be able to come up with it because give give a wide receiver and a quarterback enough time, and eventually somebody will come open. Not on that play. And it, and it and it does it does present some of the argument in the other direction. I'm not swayed by that one play. I mean, this is a belief that I've kind of developed over time. But that was a heck of a play, and that was absolutely number five overall pick kind of performance that I thought we saw for his first ever run in the NFL. Yeah, I thought he looked pretty yeah, darn impressive. On Friday, cool. that's what Brady mentioned. You asked who was the most most important positions on the field. He had cornerback in the top three there. Yeah, I don't. Do you, do you, I, I mean, I, I appreciate that he does, <laughs> but I don't. I just, I don't, I don't see it I that way. It. I get it. 866-979-3776. Let me go to Jeff in Port Orchard, line three. Jeff, what's going on? Good morning. Hey, good morning to you. I think that, uh, well, A, first, the whole team did a great job turning it around. But the bookend tackles did an amazing job. I didn't hear Aiden Hutchinson's name until he got injured. Yeah, and isn't that incredible? For the slow, and for the slow start, I, I contribute that to this uh, the preseason. The only three games and the starters not really playing that much. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a good point, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call. We kind of went back and forth on that last week, and I, I do think it's unfair. I think the coaches are sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't, just because of, of the injury factor on one side and then the preparation factor and the exhaustion on the other. I, I, don't, I don't know what the right answer is on that one. I just think they came out and laid an egg. I mean, like, I, I know we talked a little bit about the about the the preseason last week. I don't think that was it. I think they just laid an egg. I just think they had a bad game. And credit to them. You know, we, we did spend a while talking last week about the things that make Pete different and the things that make him special. And I do think the way he's able to rally a team coming off of a terrible loss like last week was pretty great. They were a completely different football team this week. They played hard, great effort. They looked prepared. They looked like they knew what they were doing. They did not get out hustled. They didn't get beat to the punch. They were more physical. All the things you needed them to do this week, they did. And that stems from the head coach. Good on him. 866-979-3776. Just going down the list here. Uh, line four, Johnson Normandy Park. Good morning. Good, mor- good morning. Uh, just real quick here. I think that my biggest takeaway yesterday was the use of the tight ends. I mean, I think the week one, I think we had three total catches by Disley or Fan, whoever it was. But yesterday, Fan had five for like 60. Will Disley had three for like 40 or 50. I mean, that for having backup tackles in, your tight end usage is going to be crucial. And kudos to Geno and, the, you know, the, the offensive play calling. I think that really catered to what we needed. And if, those, if Uncle Will can stay healthy hmm. for the entire season, I think he got something special with both tight ends. I'll throw in all three because I thought Colby Parkinson had a really nice game as well. well. Good point. Yeah. yeah, John, it's a, it's a good point. Thank you for the phone call. Uh, did you like the play where they lined up Parkinson and Disley along with the running back in the backfield? That was kind of a cute little play, right? 
kind of like a, a big full house backfield and then allowed those guys to go out into the pattern from there. He ended up hitting the deeper of the two, which I think was Parkinson on that play. But that was a cool little play design and, and Shane Waldron kind of just showing off some of what he's able to do. I thought that was great. Good, good on them. And yes, I think that is one of their strengths is that tight end group. Maybe not one individual, but the way they use the whole group. Pretty darn cool. All right, 866-979-3776. Go to Saul and Stanwood. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Suck. Hey, good morning, Suck. So, don't know if you hit on this already, but, um, you know, one of the things I believe really hard on is the defense and what they're doing right now. With the three turnovers, it was great, right? But it's really masking the, the ability to, to get off the field on third down, on those long third downs, and also um, – creating that pressure, right? So we're only going to go as far as the defense takes us. And the concern, too, you know, maybe it's the offenses we played, but those 60 points we've given up, right? So 31 against Detroit and then the 30 against L.A. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where, where I'm at right now, just hanging it back on the defense, you know? Yeah, so, so, so it, it, I guess I got to add one other thing to it, though, right? Yeah, you said three turnovers. They really had two, right? I mean, two meaningful turnovers in the game. Obviously, you had the little fumble at the end uh, of the first half that Trey Brown forced. But, yeah, I, I mean, two two impactful turnovers in the game. If you're going to talk, though, about the turnovers and the third downs, you got to bring up the fourth downs, too. And the fact that they were twice able to get off the field on fourth down is incredibly important because, A, that kind of factors in with your third down conversion rate, and, B, they actually function even better. Those function as turnovers. Yeah, they probably gave up more yards and even more points than you would have liked. And certainly that fourth quarter defense is something you got to watch out for. I mean, that's got to look better. But you know what? NFL teams tend to march down the field in the fourth quarter. That's not unique to the Seahawks. Just watch football, right? Give a team, if they're down 10 late in the game, they're probably going to march down the field. And it's just a matter of whether they get into the end zone or kick a field goal. Now, unfortunately, they let him into the end zone the first time, the field goal the second time, which I put sort of on the offense. I didn't like their four-minute offense at all. How do you come out and pass the ball three straight times in four-minute offense? What are we doing? Run the ball. That's your job. That's like the, the whole circle of toughness, everything. I didn't understand that at all. So I put some of that onto the offense. But am I done being concerned about the defense? No. They did have a good game, certainly a lot better. Do I think this defense is now set? No issues? Absolutely not. Still a huge question mark moving forward. Absolutely. 866-979-3776. Christian is in Hawaii on line six. It is early in Hawaii. What's up, Christian? Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. It is 10 to 4 here. Um, But I think we got to uh, give Pete credit, just like he got a lot of the blame last week. He got us ready. Uh, we got to remember, we kind of crowned ourselves. We were super hyped in the offseason. The Rams kind of looked, you know, they were not hyped in the offseason. And I think it led into our locker room. It led into the fan base. And so he needed to get us ready. He got us ready this week. It's a week-to-week league. If we can play like that, focused, energetic, knowing that nobody's crowned yet, I think we got a shot. It's just... You know, we can't get overhyped. We had the LOB for so long. We started calling these guys the LOB. We're not there. We're a good squad. We just got to take it week to week. I think we'll be cool. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Let me just keep buzzing through these. I'll go back up to line one. Levi's been hanging on in Bellingham. Good morning, Levi. 
How you doing? Good, buddy. I just wanted to talk about this defense looked like it was finally starting to gel a little bit, but the ticket I think we've been missing, even without having the big difference making horses up front with with the addition of Diggs and Love in the back end is when we get uh, Jamal Adams back, being able to free him up and move him around with those blitz packages. And really, I think that's our ticket to making our opposing QB uncomfortable. It it certainly is going to make them different, right? It certainly makes them more multiple. I mean, the one thing about Jamal, and he's not a perfect player, and the more you've got him on the back end trying to defend in coverage, the more question marks you have. The more he spins up near the line of scrimmage, the more you're concerned about his injuries. So there's, there's some real imperfections right now to Jamal Adams. That being said, the positive side is of a guy that you're right, has, a, has an ability to unlock everybody else around him because he's so versatile, can attack in so many different ways, is such a, a, an instigator out there, and I mean that in a positive way. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be this week. So then the question is, are you going to see him next week? Maybe. But if you wait, then you get the bye week after that. I would assume we don't end up seeing him until after the bye week. So I think you're probably going to have to go two more games without him. But we'll see. I mean, it would certainly be fun to get him in there for one, then let his body rest for two weeks and see where it goes, even if he's not playing every down, which I think may be the way Jamal is used this year. Yeah, 866-979-3776. Let me go to line two. Brandon's in Tacoma. What's going on? Good morning. Hey, how you guys doing? I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, that's um, cool. Welcome. Listen, I, I believe that week two is more indic- indicative of our team. However, I just look at – and I also believe that the, the defense got better as the game went on, and I think that's going to happen all throughout the year. I believe this defense is going to gel every week, get better and better and better. It's not going to be the lead in the boom, but it's going to be lead in the boom 2.0. Once we get Jamal Adams back – he can rush the passer a little bit. It'll, it'll highlight our, our coverage, right? But I, I do – what worries me is this. Capabilities worry me. We are capable of laying an egg like we did last week, and that scares me. However, um, I'm going to live and die with Pete Carroll. Don't listen to any of those haters with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll has brought this city relevant. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate the phone call. I don't know if this is a Legion of Boom 2.0. I don't know if this defense has that in it, quite frankly, just just to be honest. I don't think they rush the passer well enough based on what I've seen now through two games. I don't know whether they can do everything, right, if they can commit to the run and the pass and find I, – I, I don't see anything close to what we saw, the level of dominance that was here. I mean, by the way, that's a pretty rarefied air to be in. I don't know whether a single defense in the NFL is in that category right now. Dallas probably coming closest, but that's how good that defense really was. Can they be better than they've been the last few years? God, I hope so. I still just don't see those horses up front the way they force a team. I mean, look, you watch that game as great as it was. Amon Ross St. Brown was out of the game for most of it, still had over 100 yards receiving. They were playing without their starting left tackle, and one of their starting guards got hurt during the process, and they still didn't really generate that much pressure on the quarterback. So, yeah, it was a good game. It was a much better game. It was a significant step forward. But I don't come away from it feeling like, okay, this defense is good to go. Sorry. 
I think I they were better. I also wanted to see more Boye Mafe this year. I was disappointed to see uh, him out. I'd I rather see more of him than Daryl Taylor. Yeah, and unfortunately just unable to go yesterday, right? He's the knee or whatever it is. So we'll check in on uh, on that with Pete and kind of find out who Boye or what's going on there. But, yeah, good. Step forward. I don't know about Legion Boom 2.0. But they, they haven't hit their ceiling there. or close to it, is yeah. your feeling, right? Like there's, they, oh, they I think they'll get better. Not, yeah. yeah. And we, okay. But – Come on, Legion of Boom 2.0? You're talking about elite-level defense no, yeah. at every level? Yeah, no. Hey man, let let, go, let uh, the guy believe. Let's, let's, let's tone it down. I just want to set a proper expectation level. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's fair. We'll grab one more call. Richard's uh, in Everett on line three. Richard, we'll give you the last word. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, I just wanted to point out a couple of things. And one, first and foremost, I was really impressed with how Trey Brown stepped up there when Reed got hurt. That was really impressive. And then uh, to end it, I'd like to say, I mean, what would Seahawks football be without a little pandemonium? I mean, we've seen this movie a thousand times, you know. Just hang on, edge of your seat football. You know, I mean, it's the reason. It's the only reason we watch sports is for that kind of thrill. So, you know, whether or not the week one was good or not, I mean, that was a hell of a game, man. And, uh, yeah, what would it be without a little chaos? It wouldn't be Seahawks football, that's for darn sure. Appreciate the phone call, and thank you to all of you. It just took a little bit of guilt, but it's fine. It's nice to see that Seahawks fans are still themselves, capable of calling after a win, not just in frustration after a bad loss like we saw in week one. All right, uh, let's see. we got so much going on today. we got a lot of Seahawks football to talk about. Obviously, Brock's going to be in in a minute. Uh, and then we'll little Mariners today. I, I, don't, I don't want to get, dig too deeply into the frustration of this weekend, but, man, they got a 13-game sprint here, right, to just – oh, I'm, I'm hearing a little echo of myself. But they got a 13-game sprint opportunity. Hmm, interesting. All right, we'll tell you what. Let me take a break. We'll come back with Brock. I'll see if I can get my own voice out of my head because I don't know how anybody listens to me. You guys are all nuts for listening to me at all. And we'll talk through some Geno Smith. He did four things that any elite quarterback needs to do. He did them all yesterday. That's next on Brock and Salk.